0: and fitness with david Hollywoods in association with the hearing consultancy the
1: hearing Consultancy.ie. a very good evening to you or if you're listening on podcast a very good morning a very good afternoon thanks for tuning in this is your latest health and fitness episode with myself david hollywood we've got loads to look forward to on the show this evening we very shortly will be talking about power chair football and Ireland's presence at the World Cup in a couple of weeks Uh, we are talking to Athlone Town about how they're bringing um, players forward both in their career on the pitch and their career in the classroom and we are talking about female participation in sport that's all to look forward to on health and fitness this evening with me David Hollywood now many Irish fans will have their eyes uh, keenly trained on uh, the World Cup in France for uh, the rugby but uh, there is an Irish team heading down under uh, to take on the world's best and it's in Power Chair Football. The Power Chair Football uh, World Cup starts on the 15th of October. Uh, I'm very glad to say that we've got the management team for Team Ireland in studio with us uh, this evening on Health and Fitness. Uh, joining me uh, this evening is the team's manager, uh, Blue Balls, Jerry uh, Sheen. Jerry, thanks for coming in.
2: Thank you. No problem, David. No problem.
1: And uh, Mike uh, Donagher, who's the head coach uh, from Kennedy. Mike, how's the form? Not bad at all. Okay, guys, great to have you in, um, Jerry. You know we're we're just around the corner from the tournament starting. I imagine from uh, the perspective of the players, uh, parents, uh, the management team, everybody involved in the Irish setup, uh, the excitement really is starting to kick in now.
2: Um, it is indeed, uh, David. Absolutely. Um, we had our last training session last Sunday uh, in League Slip. Uh, we've been at it for about a year now in terms of getting all the training together. Um, we've organised flights we've organised we've organised everything and now um there's a sort of a nervousness uh, among us all but a nervous excitement and really looking forward to it it's tomorrow week friday week we're this day week we're flying out so yeah
1: that's uh i i just know from from the perspective of even Having something booked and, and know that every, all the stressful bits are kind of taken care of. The only stress then is the travel. And we'll get on to all of the, uh, mm. the travel stuff that uh, you guys are facing into because Australia is not uh, just, <coughs> just around the corner. Um, Mike, from your perspective, how long have you been part of the, the Irish setup?
3: I've been on and off part of the Irish Celtics since 2011, but okay. I've actually been the, the, cult, the head coach for about four years now.
1: So you've done a couple of tournaments at
3: this stage? Or? A few um, home nations again, yeah. Four nations and home nations, England,
1: Scotland, Northern Ireland. It must be a great thing to have what is a kind of a, like its own community come together, but internationally Everybody, everybody has so much in common, but you get that kind of cultural variety as well. Yeah, it's really good for the players. It opens your eyes to uh, a lot of different cultures. Yeah, I can only imagine. And then, Jerry, from the perspective of actually delivering a team for this tournament, uh, you mentioned that the last uh, year or so really the focus has been on um, the, the, the training and, and getting a team ready. What's involved in delivering uh, an Irish team to a power chair football World Cup?
2: Um, well, I suppose um, I only got involved, when I, uh, a position was advertised and, and I applied for it uh, about a year ago. Um, and at that stage, they had, um, you see, this tournament was put, was put back because of Covid. It should have happened a couple of years okay. ago. Okay. Um, and um, so the, the, the squad was more or less selected in terms of the players that they had. So they, they knew the players that were, that were gone, um, which are, I suppose, simply, I suppose, the eight of the best players that there is in Ireland at the moment. Um, so they had been selected and it was only in, and it's really through Mike as Mike is the coach he was doing the one the, the, the coaching bit and, and what needed to be done in terms of getting them ready mm. up in their game to, to get them to a level where we think we can compete and I think again I've been involved pretty much the same amount of time as Mike uh, in the sport and I think we've always felt that <clears throat> individually our players are as good as everybody else Sure. and you know the top teams would be England, France and America and we always felt that any one player we have is as good as any one player they have. But still, we weren't able to, to, we're not able to get up that extra bit. So that's what we felt we could make a contribution to. So that's what we've, we've, we've been pushing for the past year. Trying to get the guys to believe. Uh, trying to push them in a direction that um, makes them better players and makes them a better team. And obviously, Mike will tell you in a second there that we beat England over the summer, <laughs> which is the first time any Irish team has ever beaten an England team um, and that certainly has brought us on an unbelievable amount in terms of the players' confidence, in terms of our confidence, because you don't know whether you're you're going down the wrong road or whether you're whether it's working at all. But that certainly was that really. I mean, when we came back from England that weekend, we, we sort of said, yeah, this this is definitely going in the right direction.
1: Okay, Mike. We'll talk about important landmarks <coughs> along the way in a second. But uh, you've got uh, two sons part of the team, uh, Tom and Sean. I do, yeah. So you might be able to speak to. What you observe in, in, in their participation in this sport, what it does for them, what it does for uh, the players playing for Ireland, but even, let's you know go back, I know um, you'll be well involved with Midlands United in Muckla, uh, which is a power chair football club in the Midlands. What does this sport do for those who take part in it? Well,
3: it's, it's not only the sporting aspect of it, it's, it's the social aspect as well. I mean,
1: you say that I have two sons, I do, and they
3: have friends all over Europe, they have friends all over the world. And it's just a real social outlet that that otherwise they probably wouldn't have. I mean, it just gives them something.
1: Yeah, and in terms of uh, what Mike mentioned there, the win over England, um, it's funny how like a, a moment in time can just make a group then believe. So that's that's what happened with that win over England.
3: Well, it's like Jerry said, we always we always believed that we had the players to match up, but we just never seemed to get it together. And they've been together. I think Culver. Put off the World Cup, and I think the team trained more together. And mm. They became together, and, and they won. And it's it's a great belief now.
1: Yeah. What is involved in the technical side of training? You know, what techniques. Are you looking to develop? What are the important skills? If uh, one of these Irish players uh, are heading to a World Cup, or indeed if as someone listening this evening uh, wants to head down to Midlands United, uh, what are the things that are going to learn? in terms of technical skills to play power chair football? Well, a, lot of, a lot of the technical skills would be done
3: at club level. Yeah, I mean, like Jerry said, the, the, a lot of these players, that, well, the eight players are the best eight players in the country. So I think our biggest thing with the team wasn't the technical ability. It was actually gelling them together as a team and getting them to play the way we want them to play, I suppose. And that's really what we've come. It's more than technical ability. They all have that anyway. So it's just getting them to play
1: as one. You're trying to gel that group. Gel that group, yeah. So there's that coherency and, 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 and flow to their play and that type of thing.
3: Yeah, because, see, we only have a limited amount of teams in Ireland. So you've got the, the top players playing against each other on a weekly basis in the league. And then you have to try and get them together now. And it's, you know, <coughs> you have rivals and you have to get them together and, and get them to play as one.
1: You're listening to uh, Mike Donagher, who's the head coach of uh, the Irish Power Chair football team. And we've got uh, Jerry Sheehan in studio as well, these lads from Kennedy and Blue Ball. And uh, they are bringing Team Ireland to the Power Chair uh, Football World Cup in Australia. Stay with us. We'll be back on Health and Fitness very shortly, indeed
0: health and fitness with David Hollywood with the hearing consultancy book a free hearing test at our clinics in Clara, Edenderry Kinnegad, Mullingar, Tullamore and get impartial advice on hearing aids, ear protection, tinnitus help, and more. The hearing consultancy.ie. Now the
1: Big day is coming closer and closer. Ireland are about to take part in the Powerchair Football World Cup. Uh, We've got uh, head coach and management uh, representation here, both from the Midlands and from uh, the Irish team. Uh, Jerry Sheehan is the manager from Blue Ball and Kennedy's Mike Donagher, the head coach. Uh, Jerry. Let's talk about what it takes to get this team to Australia. Um, it's not as simple as uh, booking the eight tickets for them and 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 jumping on the long flight, which is most of us would find cause to complain about that in the first place. But there's a load more behind that when it, it comes to um, people who are using electric wheelchairs and and this type of thing.
2: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, uh, David. It, it 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 is still a, a big concern, and it was a big worry when we started particularly when we heard it was going to be in Australia because mm-hmm. um, obviously we have a 23-hour flight with, with a break in, in Abu Dhabi um, and um, we have eight, eight motorised electric wheelchairs users going. Um, they all have different needs. They all have different abilities. They all have different uh, uh, issues. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of uh, aircraft carriers, you know, they think of wheelchair users as a person who's able to, Wheel themselves down the, you know, around the place. Um, and that's not necessarily the case. So we had a lot to look at and a lot to consider, uh, first of all, as, as a basic. And we're still even tomorrow, we have another teleconference call to try and finalise to make sure we have everything covered. Um, so the first thing we we, we, we broke we, we had them broke into two fours. We're travelling two separate fours rather than the eight going on the one flight. Okay, yeah. So there's two going on the fr- there's four going on Friday and four going on Sunday. Um, so. <clears throat> Obviously, the issues we have there is, uh, first of all, you have to get them onto the plane. Mm-hmm. And the first flight, I think, is nine hours. Nine hours yeah. And the second one then is whatever, 12 or 14. So uh, it's a long time. I mean, for any of us, it's a long time to be in the one place. But these people can't get up and go to the toilet or walk around or stretch their legs. Um, so we have a lot of issues to think about, A, of getting them on. Then you have, you know, welfare. If they need to go to the loo or anything like that, what have we in place? Um and then, when you get to the other side, then we have a two and a three quarter hour window to get them off that plane and onto the next plane. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's a whole lot of issues with that. As you can imagine, and you know, getting them off, and and it's a, a timing thing, and you don't want them out of the road. Their own motorized wheelchair has gone into the to the hole of the plane. So, and
1: those chairs are bespokely for their needs, correct? So, yeah. it, it, it in these moments where um, planes and, and and airlines have protocols that can't be eff- affected and changed, it does put you in a bit of a jam.
2: It puts us in a yeah but it's something that we have to work around I mean that's the way it is so the chairs will go into the hole in the plane and that's it the chairs are gone but there are smaller sort of uh, transport chairs that the the airport would use so again they're not ideal um, they're small um, they're not comfortable and we don't want our lads in them any longer than they should be so we've done things like they're going to be last off the the, the plane that, arri- you know, that arrives and then we be first on to the plane that departs.
1: So there's a smaller windows uh, d- it in there, yeah, yeah yeah
2: that so it's that sort of thing is what you have to think of um we have uh we have got them up into business class which means that they'll be able to um Put themselves stretch themselves out. You, you know, you can stretch yourself out. You're not just sitting the whole time. That you must can... make
1: a big difference.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think uh, myself and Mike would have been part of the group that went to the last World Cup in Florida in 2017. And uh, while the experience playing in the tournament was brilliant, the experience, well, not even getting there, getting home was a bit more difficult. Okay. And... Um, you know, with all the best will in the world, you know, people who work in an air business, they don't really understand. And, you know, you don't need people to be upset or hurt or injured or anything. So that's what we're trying to avoid. Um, and I think insofar as <laughs> we have so far now, we- we've covered a lot of um, bases on that front, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. But- it's, I mean, like, the, the, it, this is it, is that the, the world for whether or not we'd like to accept it um, tends to not just... Hasn't developed enough awareness in how it runs and operates to be accommodating to people who might be in electric wheelchairs or otherwise. Mike, mm. from your perspective, um, moving around with the team, uh, it, this kind of stuff, you must learn to just think on your feet as you as, as you have to and, and and adapt when you need to.
3: We do, and and we've been quite lucky in a lot of the tournaments that we've played that they've been in places like France, Denmark. Where it's possible to get a ferry and drive. So yeah. these can go take their own equipment in the chair, in the vans, and it's it's easy. Where it becomes a problem is when you have the flight. It's like Jerry said, we went to Florida, that was a seven hour flight. That was bad. And we went to Finland as well for a, a tournament and that was that was bad. But this this is a new a new awe for us all now. So we're gonna have to think on our feet as we go because we've no one's ever done this from Ireland anyway, has done this changeover flight, so we we'll just have to see how it goes and, and and what problems
1: arise. Yeah, well, I think it's it's massively admirable that um, yourself and the players uh, yourselves and the players have that commitment to take this uh, kind of task on. And uh, I know I'm really looking forward to seeing how you guys get on over there. Uh, let's bring it back to the local side of things here, Mike. Um, I understand that. This environment that you guys have created around power chair football—it's—it's it's welcoming. It, It's—it's—it brings a great sense of uh, socializing for those who, who participate. But in terms of numbers, uh, you'd love for more people um, to come and get involved in, in, in power chair football.
3: We would, yeah. We're we're always looking for new players, and it, it seems to be a sport that, that just isn't known, uh, known about. It—you go to places where you'd expect a lot of wheelchair users to be, and would know, and nobody knows it exists. Yeah. So. The biggest um, problem that we have is to get new players, and that's
1: countrywide. Now, that's not just the Midlands; that's that's the whole country. And if if those partici- participation numbers come up, Jerry, uh, what uh, what are the benefits? Uh, obviously, the pool gets bigger for, say, national team representation. Uh, but I suppose as well, anyone who's already there has that much more support and and potential potential friends for life and this type of thing.
2: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think. Um, if you just take it on a national level in our national league um, I mean there are players from all over Ireland so you will get to meet them you will get to know them they will become your friends you'll be friends with them on Facebook you'll be friends with them through uh, PlayStation through Xbox um, that's what they'll be doing and I mean we're t- that's nationally they also do the same thing with players from Denmark and Finland and Japan and mm. Australia uh, the lads that do play for Ireland um, <clears throat> so the, benef- the benefits are huge Um particularly in terms of of the social side. I think that's that's the bit that, you know, a lot of people who use wheelchairs um, historically are sort of... um well, they're sort of not left to one side but they don't get out they don't, don't get out much
1: there isn't socially a whole lot for them to do and normally when they are out they're in the minority the, of exactly, any group
2: exactly whereas and I think as, as Mike said earlier like one of the things that will happen is if you go to a hall where there's, where there's power soccer on it's all power soccer it's all wheelchairs there's wheelchairs everywhere motorised wheelchairs yeah. uh, and you're in the minority um, so I don't think it can be underestimated how it can make the person themselves develop and grow and come out of themselves um so certainly if there's anyone listening, uh, you know, to this to this uh, cast that if they know anyone, if they relate mm. related to anyone, if they have any aunts, uncles, anybody that knows anybody that's in a that motorised wheelchair, you know, get them to look at uh, Midlands United if you're around this part of the world or AIPF Association of our Irish Power Chairs Football uh, to see if they want to get involved
1: Um if 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 somebody <clears> listening um, knows somebody or is somebody uh, in an electric wheelchair and they think yeah I'd like to give this a go, do they need to do anything other than turn up with their chair on the day? Uh, what what are the kind of equipment requirements or participation requirements?
3: The equipment varies between level of play. I mean, okay. people can start off playing and <clears throat> they can have attachment guards that fit onto a day chair that they can try to sport and then there's the next level of chair that everybody was playing in like the no that the top teams don't play now and then there's an even better chair but th- they could just come along in their day chair and participate and see if they enjoy it to get
1: an idea, get an idea of, of what they they're...
3: now obviously there was financial you got by chairs club chairs is all there's all sorts of, of obstacles but everyone can come and play at
1: any level and mm. Um, to finish up guys uh, aside from firstly actually I, I just want to run people through uh, what you guys have to look forward to in terms of um, the, the match programme I know you are well aware that you open your tournament on the 15th against uh, Denmark um, there's games against Japan uh, USA Uruguay France Northern Ireland but on the 16th of October in the morning you face England once again is that <laughs> is that the natural like first one that yous looked at in advance of the game? Or the tournament I, well, the have to,
3: yeah, to be fair. They're all looking at him. We're looking at them
1: Yeah, I suppose. Okay. The,
2: first of all, we are genuinely not looking beyond Denmark. I mean, as a, as 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 a team and us the coach who, who wants to do well, like you have to start with Denmark. You have to, you know, you every result well as is then. as valuable as because yeah. it was
3: it was actually Denmark that we beat for the bronze medal in Finland. Oh brilliant! So yeah. they they want revenge.
2: Yeah, so it'll be one game at a time absolutely when we're playing England you know and again in the morning if there's new players if anybody out there has any friends or relatives over in Sydney you know they're more than welcome to come down and cheer us on Friday games but the English game on the 16th we'd love to have a bit of support behind us there um, so yeah the English game will be will be <laughs> like, let's hope we can repeat what we did in July but uh, at least the players have the confidence and the belief now that they, that they can do it that they've done it before You know, yeah, so.
1: and, and, and crucially <clears throat> they're going on a seriously amazing adventure and, and one that they're always going to remember and they, they they must as well when they're over there at this tournament they must form connections with players on the other uh, national sides.
2: oh yeah absolutely um, I mean they, they will be like they'll all be intermingling I mean they won't be we'll be doing our thing and you know with, with all the parents and the carers but the players will just go and meet and talk and Amer- you can see the Americans the English and the French they'll all be there in a group chatting uh, and they all have their own interests and they all know what each other's interests are because they've been talking on social media or whatever whatever you want to call it. So there's there's, there's great connections that way, absolutely, yeah.
1: Oh, that's fantastic. Um, I wish the team the very best and uh, the both of you lads. Like, is it is it something that you both relish and you're looking forward to getting stuck into as well? can we? <clears throat> right. Yeah, wait.
2: absolutely can't wait. Before you cut off, can I just say, <laughs> very importantly Please, as well, yeah. it's also open to boys and girls. It's not just... Boys, we have two girls. Have two on the girls team, on our team. Two yeah. girls from County Leash, so it is open for girls. And it's also you don't have to be a big fan of football. Yeah, you know you don't have to support Manchester United, Liverpool. That's not there's, there's a couple of players that just you know soccer Premiership isn't their thing. So don't be thinking that they have to like football. Uh, this is a game based on soccer, but it's 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 more the social and the inclusion thing and the enjoyment thing. You know,
3: and it is open to people in manual chairs as well as wheelchairs as, okay. as electric chairs. Okay, and we the,
1: the game is played in electric chair. But there is people obviously that can play. The first step is is to look you guys up and maybe get out, get down one night and, and and see for yourself, and then you can decide just how much you want to go if all in on it or not. I Every suppose.
3: Friday evening,
1: six to eight, Muckler Sports Hall. That's where we do Perfect. And you can look up AIPF uh, on Facebook as well if you want to engage from uh, beyond the Midlands, as it were. Jerry uh, Sheehan, uh, manager of the Irish team, and uh, Mike Donner, who's the head coach. I thank you so much uh, for coming in to us uh, this evening on the Health and Fitness. And the very best of luck in Australia. Thanks, thank Dave. Thanks very much. Yeah big thanks to the lads and a huge good luck to everyone involved in the Irish Power Chair uh, Football World Cup in Australia. October 15th is game one. Still to come on Health and Fitness this evening uh, we're talking about the player development course that Athlone Town are about to kick off and we'll be talking about female participation in sports specifically and particularly those teenage girls.
0: Health and Fitness with David Hollywood in association with the Hearing Consultancy with free hearing test clinics in Clara, Tullamore, Kinnegad, Mulligan our dental clinic, and now at Keen's Care Plus Pharmacy, Eden Derry, the hearing consultancy.ie.
1: Now, we have seen actually in very recent uh, times uh, some very uh, negative statistics coming out about um, players making the grade. Uh, cross-channel if and when they do go over or for those coming up through youth systems. Uh, The life of a footballer is certainly perilous in terms of career prospects and I think it's widely accepted that uh, more needs to be done uh, to create a bit more security a bit more of a holistic approach and uh, I'm very glad to say that uh, we are looking at this particular story now through uh, the lens of Athlone Town uh, who are launching a new player development training initiative. Uh, some really interesting stuff going on here and uh, some really uh, positive aspects to it. Uh, to look closer at the story I'm very glad to say that the course coordinator um, e- Emmett Egan who is also the head of sports science at Athlone Town um, has joined us uh, to talk about uh, this uh, course that the club um, are dealing deeply involved in uh, that be starting very soon Emmett thanks very much for joining us on Health and Fitness this evening no problem David happy to be here so this player development training initiative talk us through exactly what the program is what what players have at the end of it uh, what are the specific details about the course
4: yeah, uh, okay, so the, the player development initiative that Athlone Town have started in 2023, it, it's based off um, an initiative that was started with the FAI back in 2004. So nearly 20 years ago, the first of these courses started. Um, they're, they're quite common around the country. I think there's nine other venues around the country, but within Athlone, there was no venue in the Midlands. So Athlone Town decided to explore the option of having one of these courses in Athlone. Um the course itself is is a sports team's educational program. So, there's, there's a couple of reasons um, that we that we run the course. One is to provide an educational pathway for for young players to to help them make the grades to get through level six, level seven, level eight programs in college. And um, the other is to provide a full time trained environment for players. And uh, as we're aware, the course runs from. Nine o'clock in the morning until four o'clock in the afternoon, but it's a professional full time training environment where we have educational lectures in the morning periods and in the afternoon we have a football program where we develop the players as players as well. Um, within the FBI, the, the, the player development side has been huge um, throughout the years. Uh, a, a lot of players have gone on to play in the SSE, Electricity League. A few international players have progressed through these squads. So it, it, it's a no-brainer for the club to, to organise something like this and, and to run one in the Midlands for local players.
1: On the uh, aspect of the players themselves, in this country, very few of them, if any of them, can uh, build their life around playing the sport uh, professionally. and um, So have has has these have these initiatives as as you said the FAI have been running them for some time, so there is data there, 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 there's hard evidence has these initiatives benefited players because they have that kind of structure around them that um, it really helps them to hone in and focus on uh, what it is that they're doing with their professional or aspiring professional football career.
4: Yeah, I suppose like in the information of data that we're living in now at the moment, there's, there's an awful lot of research out there, just publications looking back retrospectively on sort of the the progression race through academies in the UK. Um, they started a very successful academy program back there in about 2013, the EPP program. So they're, they're looking more closely at graduates. And you're right, I think about 3% of graduates will, will go on to play maybe Premier League or First Division or, or, or Second Division in the UK. So... Uh, there has been a push to give players uh, more options outside of football because football, there's there's very few going to make it, as we're saying. So we do give, in the UK, it's common to give uh, educational opportunities and it's great that we're starting to do it here in Ireland as well to combine the the development of the player uh, with the development of the person as well. And and, and that's where courses like these come into, um, really come to strength, you know. And mm-hmm. um, there, there, there's modules that we prepare them for college on, but we also give them coach education modules as well. And um, the FEI coaching badges, the the PP, um, PPD one, two, and three. And um, they do a UEFA deal or FEID license. They do a gym instruction qualification on. So there's lots of options to progress into 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 a career just just in the sports industry as well for players. So it's really important to give players these options.
1: Yeah, because what we're talking about here is the options are pretty expansive in terms of furthering their playing career um, furthering a potential career in football or sport or indeed to go further through the education system. Um, that's probably as holistic as you could hope to get with something like this.
4: Yeah, absolutely, and and listen, myself, like I, I'm, I'm delighted to be to be spearheading the course for them here in Athlone because I, I myself would have done a program like this maybe 20 years ago tr- through force at the time. Do you oh, know I yeah. would have started fitness instructor qualification myself and. And uh, this course sort of gave me the, the confidence to go on myself and get get my own career in sport, pursue a career academically and then work professionally as well. So I really see the merits in a course like this. So I'm, I'm delighted to be involved in it uh, to help young players because um, at that age, there's a lot of pressures Um in, for young players particularly ones who want to become professional players with pressures from home to go to college and mm. um, they're, they're very young making decisions coming out of school so I feel a course like this is, is, a, is a really good stepping stone uh, for any young player
1: What about the club specifically because uh, Athlone Town are essentially uh, running this and, and putting in the most substantive inputs um, is it's part of a bigger picture of community engagement uh from what I've heard, talking to uh, your colleagues in the club, uh, that is one of the kind of current mission statements in Athlone Town is is to develop that footprint in the Midland society.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Like uh, football is huge in in in, the mid, in Athlone in the Midlands across Westmead, Offaly, Longford, we've many clubs, um, and I suppose the, the the danger is there hasn't really been anything for them. Athlone the, Athlone have been. Putting out teams in males and men's and women's for the past um in the League of Ireland since to change over in twenty fourteen or fifteen. Mm. Um, but now to have a, a really structured academy support structure around players is really important and really attractive for young players from local clubs and um, that they don't have to travel to Dublin because um, many years ago when I was playing football, if anyone wanted to play for we say that the professional academy size you'd have to travel to Dublin, to Belvedere, to St. Kevin, to some of these players. But the fact that we have this in Athlone town now at the moment, and um, there's so much being invested in it, it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant for for local players, local talent, um, and also um, for the development of coaches, like hopefully next year, we'll have 24, 25 graduates off this course, all with their coaching badges, uh, all willing to go back out to their clubs. Uh, to, to raise the standard of coaching within the club. So it can, it can only be positive uh, from a, a personal development for players, but also from, from a holistic development of clubs, that to be better quality of coaches coming back to the clubs with more qualifications uh, and more knowledge being shared. So so the
1: links to the clubs is really important um, for Athlone on this. And it's apparent to me that um, it's far more than lip service the club are pledged paying to this course that the head of sports science in yourself being the course coordinator and I understand that the men's senior team manager Dario Costello will have a very practical hands-on approach um, and involvement with this course as well.
4: Yeah, yeah. D- Dario will be looking after the practical side of it with me. So I've been working with Dario since since February. Um, he's a brilliant guy. He's a brilliant coach, and and he'd bring a lot to the development of players. But yeah, no, the the course are invested, uh, heavily invested in this course. Uh, we're putting a lot into it, and we we really want to make it a success.
1: What about then? Anybody listening uh, who is playing the game at the moment or has a passion uh, in and around the game that. They think it ticks their boxes and they would uh, like to have a look at this. What are the avenues through which they can get involved? Is it fully subscribed at the moment? Are you welcoming people making contact? What's the situation there?
4: Yeah, so the situation, we've only launched the course three or four weeks ago. and The application process is open through um, fetchcourses.ie mm-hmm. who look after all the enterprise training board courses. So the application process is open and um, the, the the program itself is funded through the Longford Westmead Enterprise Training Board. So there is a generous training allowance for, for learners who, who get accepted onto the program as well. And um, so, so so they'll be in receipt of that. But yeah, the applications are open. We hope to start the program um, on the 6th of November um, and the facilities being used will be, it'll be between Athlone Town um, and TUS. Um, and maybe the training centre in Gary Cassidy in Athlone here. So there's top of the range facilities to deliver both the academic side of it and the practical side of it. But yeah, we're we're, we're taking applications, uh, male and female, um, and we're really looking forward to getting started.
1: Well, Emmett, we're going to wish you the very best with the course FetchCourses.ie for anybody listening who does want to have a look at it. Uh, The best luck with that going forward. And of course, the rest of the uh, very busy operations with the club for the rest of the season as well.
4: Thanks very much, David.
1: Appreciate it. Good man, Emmett, course coordinator and head of sports science with Athlone Town and the Player Development Initiative. When we come back, we've got the former president of the GAA who's a member of the European Parliament talking about uh, participation in sports uh, for girls.
0: Health and Fitness with David Hollywood in association with The Hearing Consultancy. Passionate about hearing and hearing health, we use the latest technologies to identify and analyse hearing issues and provide their solutions. Book a free test on the thehearingconsultancy.ie.
1: By the age of 13 to 15, many girls in this country label themselves as not sporty. They, in fact, live by this label and there's few attempts both by them and the world around them to counter that. Uh, they say that the most powerful barrier that prevents girls from taking sp- uh, part in sport and physical activity is that they don't feel good enough uh, to join in. That is where the Her Moves campaign has come in this year. I'm very glad to say uh, joining me to look at uh, both the campaign and the issues behind the campaign is MEP Sean Kelly, who's, of course, the <laughs> former president of the GAA. Sean, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us on health and fitness this evening.
5: You're most welcome and thank you for your interest. So,
1: firstly, Sean, can I uh, ask you from your own experience um, what what you've observed in Ireland about female participation in sport? Uh, what are the apparent or the key dynamics at play here?
5: Yes, I think, uh, firstly, there's a big difference between primary and secondary schools. In primary schools, girls and boys participate more or less the same. And uh, then when it comes to secondary school, there's a huge drop-off almost immediately. 30% fewer girls are involved in sports at second level than they were in primary school. And I think that while a lot of progress has been made, particularly with uh, native football and camogie, And, of course, with the international soccer team doing so well now, there's an opportunity to build on that. But a lot of it comes down to the emphasis, I think, and where there is probably too much emphasis on competition, then they don't have the confidence that boys might have in relation to how they're performing and maybe too much pressure to get results. So I think really we have to try and, above all, I think improve in terms of encouragement. I think 64% of women said we need to encourage young girls to take part more, and that's an interesting point. And I think that's what the Sports Ireland are trying to do. I welcome the move because we should have, ideally, a similar percentage participating in sport at uh, girls' and boys' level, and I think that's something we have to look forward to. And, of course, then to make that happen, we, I think women's sports would feel have been underfunded for many years. And even men, and, a lot of men think the same. So that has to increase as well. But at least creating awareness is a start. And then we can move forward gradually by looking at the issues in terms of participation, in terms of confidence, in terms of funding. And it's worth above all enjoyment.
1: Yeah, enjoyment is really... The very most important thing, from a lot of people's perspective, certainly from a parent's perspective, that's what you want uh, your children to go through is, is is enjoying it, regardless of competition or anything uh, beyond that, and and keeping people involved then has such telling health benefits down the line. Of course, uh, from your perspective, Sean, from the GA's perspective, when you were president there. Uh, The GAA has overseen a a great raising of the profile of uh, women's games, be it camogie or ladies' Gaelic football. Uh, But by the same token, you mentioned there how... um, it may be the case that uh, young women suffer for how competitive things uh, become when they get into the, those, those teenage years. And a, a lot of camogie and ladies Gaelic football, uh, the managers and a lot of the sort of adult role models uh, are, are still men in the association. Is that something that you observed in your time there, something that you guys worked on to address to bring up not just female participation in sport, uh, but for those coaching in the sport?
5: Yeah, and it's good that men will be coaching in women's sports and it's good to have women coaching also and put them most work together. But I think sometimes the men tend to put too much emphasis on the competition and particularly the attitude to losing. Uh, I think that's something that needs to change. Okay, it is fine to compete, but if you lose, it isn't the end of the world. Often men say it's the only thing that matters, and I think that's not a good approach you must be able to uh, encompass both those who want to be competitive, but also those who just want to play for the social benefit. And we haven't put enough emphasis on the social side of it. And indeed, it's great that, uh, particularly ladies' Gaelic football, has only started in 1970. It is now the highest participation of all sports in Ireland for ladies, forty one percent whereas camogie is 28, and then 25 for soccer and 21 playing basketball. So I think there needs to be a real divide between those who want to compete to win, then not taking it too seriously if they don't win, but then those who, don't, who are not be interested in competition, they just want to pay for the social side of it and participate. And I think we really need to work on that as well.
1: Yeah, and uh, another line that came from Sport Ireland um, is that the research shows girls are more likely to engage in physical activities if they find them socially enjoyable. So that goes to show that that particular aspect is something uh, that probably can and should be worked on. Just to touch back on the GAA, Sean, as well, because of the nature of the association, um, if the GAA can really get things right in terms of uh, being inclusive for young women, uh, because it reaches into every parish across the country, it can bring the general level of female participation up almost on its own shoulders to a certain degree.
5: Without a doubt, and it's great that that movement to integrate the sports has more or less happened at club level. The vast majority of clubs now are uh, three team clubs. They take in ladies' football, if they play them, and then also men's football and hurling. So there'll be possibly four uh, sports taking place. And I think there's far more recognition now of girls at club level. That's great because women are involved in uh, also in administration far more than they used in the past. And we need that to develop. But little things were very annoying from the ladies' point of view. They were often put in the back of the, the list when it came to facilities. Mm. They wouldn't get the facilities that the men would get. And I remember when I was president when there was a replay in the Ireland semi final between Kerry and Tyrone we used the occasion to have a Kerry and Tyrone ladies football match as a double bill. So that was obviously the biggest crowd a ladies football ever played before. But now they're getting massive crowd themselves, which is great. And I think a lot of it is down to the developments at club level where they're treated with respect, treated equally. But that must be ongoing. And one thing I'm very pleased about in recent years, and I've seen this particularly in Munster and Linster level, where the championship games are going ahead, they incorporate either a camogie or ladies' football game, which is, and I think all that's encouraging because you must have a profile as well. You must have role models for girls. And obviously, the other soccer team would have done a lot in that regard as well. But I think equal recognition and to, above all, so they can feel that equals and that when it comes to deciding things like venues for matches and so forth, or for training, but the ladies are cast into the worst part and men get the dominant part all the time
1: yeah exactly that it's um it's one thing for f- female participation to be something that we focus on but for those who are already participating it's crucial they don't get disenfranchised through their experiences of going to games and and feeling like a secondary version of 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 the male participant uh, the final question, Sean, on, on, on the idea of sports participation is from your perspective as a member of the European Parliament representing Ireland over there, um, where does Ireland stand in relation to its relationship with sport and in within its relationship to female participation if you've seen any sort of um, evidence or signs of, of um, uh, differences across the, the member states?
5: We're far ahead of a lot of countries actually. And I think the reason is because we have uh, the prominence of Gaelic football and Komogi uh, giving girls an option. And indeed, one of the things I noticed here and also in other uh, cities is that an awful lot of women who have no connection at all with Ireland. In fact, I was talking to one of them last night, would uh, have taken up Gaelic football or camogie, particularly Gaelic football because it's a the game they like playing. And again, there's the friendships involved, the social side of it. And again, I think not taking it too seriously. This business, that it is the be all in all, that's not something that's desirable, I suppose, at any level. But I think a lot of women would find that a turn off. Whereas uh, I find, particularly here in the European Games and so forth, they want to compete to win, and they enjoy it if they win. But if they don't win, it isn't into the world. And I think that's a positive, a positive thing. And that encourages a lot of ladies to take part in uh, Gaelic games and I think that's a wonderful thing and it's something that could grow more because when you look at it actually, David, there are very few countries that have indigenous sports like ours mm. and especially we need to highlight them more, especially for the attractiveness and the enjoyment that uh, girls can get, especially playing Gaelic football out of
1: So ultimately, from your perspective, Sean, it's creating the right atmosphere for people to become a part of something and to feel like they belong there. Um, so it's a more accepting environment is what we should be working towards to really get that boost in female participation and sport.
5: Absolutely. a More accepting environment, genuine equality, and I suppose encouragement. And also that's something that's actually improving as well because more and more men are now going to women's games that wouldn't have gone before. And of course women obviously go to men's and wins, men's games and women's games. But I think for men particularly involved in sport to go and encourage the girls and if to the club level or county level, I think they appreciate it. All those things are important because they will feel that they are playing catch up. Obviously, in some respects when you consider the Gaelic Athletic Association started in eighteen eighty four and ladies' football only started in the seventies. So there is a catch up there. But I think there's a A quick catch-up and now it's becoming more and more irrelevant and more and more people are participating and i think the move by sports ireland will further enhance that because there are huge benefits and these are the things we need to emphasize also and women are aware of it in terms of mental health the even body feeling etc which women obviously often take seriously maybe more than men all those things are enhanced by being involved in sport and i think The real challenge, I think, will be to take the participation, which we have seen at primary level, and continue it on to second level. And there's a good chance, then, it might go on to third level and adult life if, above all, they see the benefits, they see the mental health benefits, the social benefits, and also the physical benefits. And I think once they're encouraged and facilitated and good facilities and the equality of treatment... I think we can see far more women, as many men, women as men, participating in sport and enjoying it into the future.
1: And at the end of the day, that is the best way to finish this conversation is it's about enjoying uh, participation. Sean Kelly, MEP for Ireland South and former GAA President. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us on Health and Fitness this evening.
5: Thank you, David, and thanks Midlands Midland 103 for taking interest in this very important topic. Thank you very much.
1: Very important indeed. Thank you to Sean Kelly. Create an accepting environment and provide genuine equality. I think those are two key points to finish on this evening. And one final one. Keep moving. Child, man, woman, young or old, keep moving, otherwise we lose it. Joe Cooney's coming up next after the News at Eight.